adversity, bring it. The struggle, we welcome it. Snooze on life, never that. We are Dave Regina and Mike Perella, and this is the No Snooze Podcast. Come on. Welcome back to episode nine of the No Snooze podcast. I am uh, your good-looking host, Mike Pirelli, uh, with my co-host, slightly good, less good-looking, slightly. Dave Regina. Yes, Epi nine. I still can't believe we made it uh, this far, man. Yeah, it blows my mind. It's, we say it, it every week. Yeah, every week. But it, it, it it's something that's crazy to see because you just see these views climbing. So our first um, big milestone was 2,000. And now we said at 10,000, we will... Go out to a nice little steak dinner, right? Yep. Dave will shave that's his on beard. You or what? Is that on you? No, no. That's on Claudio. All right. Good. Uh, so let's get into a PodBod update. So I want to get back to you, Mike, because you went away. You told us you kind of fell off. Update us on how you're looking because you're looking pretty tight to me. I think that suit is kind of fly. I appreciate it. Uh, I added somewhere around like six pounds when I was in Florida. And then on Sunday, the weekend where I got back, I had four Dr. Peppers. I swear to God. (laughs) I worked all day. I didn't eat. I stopped. I got a slice of Sicilian and then I got a regular slice. And then for like at three, then at six, I got about $30 worth of Chinese. It's for myself, 20 for Dana. And I ate all of it and four Dr. Wait, Peppers. $30 worth of Chinese. So think Dana how much spent, food that is. Dana spent 20, you just said? Well, you I, were only we paid 10? together, oh, but her so, portion was a lot less. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. But it cleared right. that and had four Dr. Peppers. <laughs> so the, all that being said, Monday I weighed in and didn't like what I saw. Uh, and then just today I passed what I was previously and I'm back at 212. So. I think there was an important lesson though. You had gone away, you came back and instead of jumping on the scale right away, you were smart enough to say, you know what? I'm going to weigh in next week because yeah, you yeah. already knew the damage that was done. But that was a good takeaway there. For me, I had a big week, Mike. Did you? You, yeah. did, you look like I, you So I took week. a soul cycle class. My soul cycle game was not the best. You didn't take it. You taught a soul cycle no, class. No, 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 no. I took the soul cycle class. Did really well. I hit the beat 92% of the time what? on the app. Yeah, but my stats were great. I got like 14 miles in. My wife was impressed. Janine was impressed. Everybody was happy. Then I come back to my own gym at Level Fitness, and I was asked to ride the podium with Adolfo. Ride the podium. Ride the podium. And it's basically you take the lead, uh, but it, it really turns into like a dance class and a cardio class, but it was pretty hilarious. It was a great experience. Uh, but if you haven't tried that class, go try it out. Mike Press was the Soul Cycle instructor, yeah. and he's local here in Westchester, New York City. Runs a really dope class, uh, motivational, but the workout is just phenomenal. So that's uh, I'm proud of that, man. At what point are you going to start wearing uh, yoga pants to class? No, I can't, that I can't do, <laughs> and I can't do the pad on my on my cheeks. You might need it if no, you take it that much. Can't do it. Um, all right, so that's the um, that's the Podbot update. We're still working every day, just trying to get better than yesterday. Uh, we're we're ecstatic today because we have a phenomenal guest here with us, and we're very thankful. And we want to welcome Bradley Featherstone Desir, a Marine combat veteran. Bellator MMA veteran and multiple time MMA champion. His story is real. It's raw. And Brad has agreed to hold nothing back here today. So we're excited to hear the story, but more importantly, believe that there will be tremendous value for those who tune in. 
Uh, so welcome to the uh, to the pod, Brad. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Pod. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and I I tried to uh, attack him when he walked in because I wanted to test out his MMA skills, but we'll we'll let that we'll <laughs> Wait, do separate so YouTube video. As soon as as soon as Brad walked in, Mike's in the southpaw position. How did you was feel that southpaw? Yeah, southpaw. South if you you're right, if you're form? right footed, I mean, it was out. I mean, I was a little worried. You Shaky. Know. See, I'm a big guy, but I have no coordination when it comes to the punching. I, I you know, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I not that, to man. say that you can't be both, but for me, it's I've always been the finesse. So I think that's why I gravitate to watch MMA because I imagine myself in there and you know throwing a left and where you you'd, you'd find your groove. It's more yeah. natural. It's more natural than well, you think. Might have to start training. Hey, come on down. We're going to add a section at the end for the YouTubers. It's called a gut check, where Mike is going to take a punch from. <laughs> From Featherstone, <laughs> we're gonna see, <laughs> we're gonna see uh, oh. if he can breathe after. Can you imagine if that was um, how we end? Like any, every guest gets the punch. <laughs> some, people, some people do that. Nah. Really? Yeah, it's wild. Have man. you punched anyone on a show? Oh. No, I, so I, I try not to hit people. You know, I try <laughs> unless not, you yeah, have to. Unless yeah. you have to. Is that true? Where they say if you punch someone out of the ring, it's like a lethal weapon? No, I mean if I punch you, it's gonna hurt a lot more than somebody else. Yeah. Right? that's just. Yeah. But what um, about having registered hands? So I, I knew that's where I was going. So yeah. what happens is, is uh, when you fight professionally, you have a license, just like uh -huh. anything else. So the the old rumor came from uh, a boxing coach would ask you, hey, are your hands registered? What he really means is, do you have a license to fight in New York or have a uh -huh. license to fight in New Jersey? It's not like my left hand is 001 and my right hand is 002, 002 excuse me. I legit have a license. That's it. Got it. So you can't get in trouble if you punch him. Oh, you get in trouble. I anyway. mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like, mor morally, I shouldn't. Right? I'm doing the math in my head. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, do yeah, I get a license? No, nah, morally, I shouldn't. But like, I look at it like, um, it's weird, man. Because when you get really good at violence, you know what it brings, mm -hmm. and then you're hesitant to use it. It's like, damn, like you don't know how to fight because if you knew how to fight, you wouldn't be starting this fight. Like, if one of us could walk away permanently changed, yeah. Like, do you really want that? Would yeah. you play with that? Yeah. The answer is no. Like, do, what do you want? The, you want the you want the seat on the train? Yeah. You want to cut me off to get on the exit? Sure, go ahead. Yeah. It's made me more um, uh, non-confrontational. And nice. you're more humble when you when you have those skills. It's it's very absolutely because you know what? Like, there's some days, man. Any day, like Lord of the Jungle, any day can be your last. You can walk on the mat, and I'm feeling like big poppy, right? Like nobody <laughs> can touch me. And then somebody can come in two weight classes bigger than me and just throw me around like a little girl. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. You know what I'm saying? Like he might he might be able to throw me around and then I'll throw somebody else around and then that person threw him around. It's a human game of rocks, paper, scissors. Yeah. So you're always humble. You're confident, but you're humble. I yeah. love that. Um just to so we, we usually start the episode on on a light note and we do this thing that's called no snooze recommendations. So we want Brad to jump in, but my recommendation this week is going to be the protein that I've been using, and it is Orgain protein. And again, this is this is not an ad. This is actual. Pro, this is the protein that I'm using. But a lot of people have been asking, "Yo, what, what do you? What supplements do you use?" Yeah. Um, I don't think they asked Mike that question, but you know, the, we'll, we'll get there. How again. much Orgain do you have at each? I, I do two. I have two tubs, but it's a um, not only organic, but it's plant based. And I don't know about anybody else, but when I used to mix my protein shakes, I used to get, you know, some some stomach issues there. So it's a really clean protein. It's it's great for males and females, low in calories, it doesn't have too much protein in it. But when you mix it with, you know, silk almond milk, plus mm. the 10 grams of protein there on the cashew milk, you get that extra ten. And How many throw scoops? Peanut butter. How many scoops? Uh, just two scoops. Oh, okay. You but look like I thought you'd do like a four scoop, right? I'm like <laughs> he's not just having no, the same yeah, scoops yeah. I am. Uh, so, so that's me, Mike. 
No snooze recommendation, baby. Yeah, so uh, in the challenge to lose the weight, I've been getting more obsessed with trying to figure out ingredients and looking at the back of the labels. And I stumbled on this guy. Uh, welcome, Flav City family. This guy, Flav City, and he's very quirky, um, but he goes to uh, department stores, checks out all the food, and gives his recommendations based on how clean the food is. So I've, I've been uh, obsessed with that and been watching a lot of it and learning a lot. So nice. I would recommend him. And like it's it. under Flav L, or excuse me, F L A V, and then City. It's hard to spell when you're not looking at it, right? Yeah, I saw it. Good. Uh, Brad, so hit us with a uh, a recommendation, and this could be uh, you know a- anything you really want to jump in on, but something that you uh, apply you know in your life. So I've been really working with uh, this guy, Doctor Frank uh, Benedetto. He's got this uh, this company called Counter Strike Combat Sports. It's uh it's about fitness for the combat athlete. Like that's his niche. And um, it's just taken my training to a whole nother level. Like just the complete accountability. Uh, it's heart rate. It heart. It's heart rate based. Um, I I do less now, feeling like I do much more, which is amazing, right? It just frees up days in my um, frees up hours in my day, keeps me on the mat, and I just can't push this enough. I tell everybody, especially you know if you're uh, into any kind of combat sport or you're getting a little older and you don't have a coach anymore, this is the way to go. Like um. Like people always asking me for workouts and how what I'm doing and all I do is I just I just funnel them to him. So uh, guys, check them out. They are Counter Strike underscore Combat Sports on Instagram or www.stayonthemat.com. Nice, beautiful. Um, I, and to that same point, I think it was the McGregor and Tony Robbins interview where he referenced oh, yeah. right. We listened to that together where he referenced you know I, I was looking at LeBron James and he was spending like one and a half million on himself per year. And McGregor was spending zero on himself. So this All is of us. right. So yeah, this James is a, Harrison was the first. Mm. This is a really good investment, um, you know, for yourself. So you know, ch- check that out. Um, so all right, this interview is going to go, you know, all over the place. Very excited about it. But I have to ask Bradley Featherstone Desir, where did Featherstone come from? And let me preface this by saying I Googled Featherstone for at least 20 minutes and I saw like old English proverb and I was trying to figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. So um, I don't I don't you guys are not going to believe this, but I've never seen Little Giants. Right? OK, so I even think I've seen that movie, Brad. I'm not. Yeah, even he's a not a movie guy. guy so yeah, yeah, yeah. so I did. Um, I didn't see it, um, but I think there's a character Featherstone in there. Right. And uh-huh. what? I could be wrong. It could be, it could be another one of those little peewee football leagues. Okay. But when I was playing peewee football, um, you know, I could run really well. I did everything. It looked effortless. And I, you know, I was catching the ball. But one practice, I just dropped everything. And they're like, oh, you got hands of stone, but you move like a feather, like feather stone. Oh, really? And it, yeah. And it just kind of stuck. And then um, it just transitioned well when I started fighting because I, I could move really well. And I, you know, when I hit you, I hit you. So I just uh-huh. kept the nickname Featherstone, and that's Ooh, I like that. That's how it stuck. That was good. What was your nickname growing up, Mike? Ooh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Toots? The, the Icebox, if we're staying on Little Giants. No. <laughs> Is that uh, a woman? Yeah, yeah. But she's good. She's a good linebacker. <laughs> you kind of remind me of the guy from the Sandlot. I, I forget. The squins? No, not Squins. Yeah, yeah. He's the catcher. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. my man. <laughs> <laughs> With the big chew, big yeah, chew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, so, that's my guy. So that's actually really good because I used to try to compete with Frank and his friends. And at that time, I wasn't as big as them. I was close, but I would have to get in their head to be able to compete because they were better. And I just would talk the whole time. So I was like him. You know, <laughs> that's hilarious. That's, uh, the big ham. Yeah, uh, I like yeah, yeah. I love when there's a good story behind, you know, a nickname like that. Not that anybody else's nickname is not as good as that, but that context to that story. I was way off. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I I was trying to think about it. I, I, 
I couldn't, you know, even picture it. I was going by Big Daddy D for a little bit, but I was like, oh, I got <laughs> Big, Big Daddy, Daddy D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was in the Marines, like, yeah, I'm Big Daddy D, odd. baby. You should do uh, my Featherstone, a.k.a. Big I Daddy D. Take, my name's Dave. I might take that from Big you. I'm going to change Dave. the Instagram account. Slim Daddy D, because you're leaning out. <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, Brad, so What's can up, you man? talk to us about, you know, just your childhood, family dynamic, um, and, and, you know, the, the younger years of, of Bradley Desir? Yeah, man. So I am... Now I'm one of six. Growing up, I was one of five. Um, you know, a bunch of cousins and a bunch of cousins in the house. Uh, grew up in a, a loaded house. We were full, full, full. Um, I don't know, man. It was just everybody in my house was an extrovert. Everybody in my house, majority of the people in my house have type A personalities. So it, um, I learned how to negotiate and navigate strong, strong-minded people early, right? And I feel like that was uh, that's helped me a lot in life. Like knowing that I, you know, like I'm just oh, I can't can't stand somebody but have to be able to you know find a, a middle ground with them uh, my mom was i had the community mom you know like if she saw you she'd pick you up if you didn't have food she'd give you lunch nice. um i truly believe that my confidence as a person comes from my mother's love like i was so overwhelmed with love that i i never felt jealous i never felt insecure to the point now still that um it doesn't matter how bright somebody else's light shines. I, I feel secure with myself. Wow. So the last episode we actually did were the lessons that we want to teach our daughters. We're, we're both going to be new fathers. And the first thing that I had said, if you remember, was instilling confidence and positive self-worth. So you just said that that happened to you at a very young age. Absolutely. And look at the confidence that you wear every day. And it's not in a in a bad way. Being confident is very different than being cocky. You know, Jadakiss, uh, what, what's the Jadakiss um, little uh-huh. dime there? <laughs> the Jadakiss dime there. And it's not cocky, it's confident, right? But w- so what I've really noticed is that yeah. no one that's confident has ever called me cocky. Right, right. It's exactly. only insecure people. Yes. That's good. A great point. Did uh, your mom do anything specific that built that confidence? Was it like, did she tell you things, or was it just how? Yeah, I mean, it's a combination, right? Like, she like she didn't just tell me things; like, she really sold it to me. You know what I mean? Like, she really sold that she loved me. She really sold that I was handsome. She really sold Uh, that I was special. You are, I like it. You know, and and it's like, and you know, like, um, but then I had I had my dad there too, so it was it's like. Hmm. Like, mom, you tell me I'm so special, but I'm one of five. Like, I ain't that special. You know I mean? <laughs> like, I understand if they all came before me, but after me, if I was so special, you would have stopped. Where are you in that lineup? Uh, yeah, I'm in the line. middle. You're I'm, in the middle. Okay. Third, but That's a, a tough one cool. too. But no, not really, right? So my my oh, my next my next sibling up, my my older brother, he's 17 years older than me. Oh, okay. So I grew up as the eldest. Nice, right? Um, and I'm treated as the eldest. So it's it's a it's a little weird, like. My older brother sometimes will try to big brother me, and I I don't take it. Right, so <laughs> not having that. Yeah, I'm not having that. No, 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 no. no. What, what's like what what's the height and weight of the older brother? Talk uh, to my me. My older brother's he's big and tall, but he's soft. Right, so yeah, he was. <laughs> wow. uh, yeah, he was an me all-state. too. Me yeah. too. Me too. But not big and tall. Yeah, he was an all-state <laughs> basketball player for Mount Vernon. Oh, nice. Um, he's about six two. Uh, he's now he's got to be like. 240, okay. maybe 250, but he's like 51 years old. You know? <laughs> so I remember I got into a little argument with him uh, a couple years ago, and he was calling, he was calling mom because I wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'm like, my man, you're 40, you're 47 years old. What are you doing calling mom? Like, yeah. And you have all the submissions now, too, so oh, you could probably I would, like... I would, I, you know, I, I'll never hit my brothers, but that was as close as I was getting. Oh, that my. door wasn't between us, you know? <laughs> my mom's calling me, leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, so you... 
you then transitioned, I guess, was it out of high school, but then you decided that you wanted to get into service and you enlisted in the Marines. And what, what I just want to first say is, is thank you. And not only thank you to you, but thank you to all the service men and women out there, uh, because, you know, you're going to hear Brad's story. And there's a lot of people out there that go through this, that go through less, that go through more. So, you know, truly, we want to say thank you for your service, uh, but definitely, you know, jump in and, and I guess tell us how that whole journey and decision was made to, to enlist. Uh, thank you for your support. So to be honest, man, like it's... um it started and I was, I was young. Like I used to play, uh, I used to have a book bag, a water gun and a tennis ball. The tennis ball would be my grenade. Right. And I would just run around the house shooting my sisters and throwing grenades, shooting the dog. And, um, you know, one day I took it a little too far. I told my younger sister, put your hands up. I must've been like, I don't know, like 11. She was like, no, she's like, I'm like, surrender. She's like, oh, fine. I surrender. I'm like, I don't take prisoners. Oh, <laughs> and I gun butted her with the water gun. Oh, the, my God. Eye, Th this wasn't scar. Hillary, was it? That was Hillary. Ah. Yeah, was Hillary. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, and I got a good, good beating for that. And that was kind of it for a while. So I didn't really know about the Marines. I just knew Army, right? So um, I'm first generation American. My dad came from Haiti. My mom came from uh, Puerto Rico. You know, my dad moved to Brooklyn. My mom moved to the Bronx. They were taking a summer class. You know, black man sees Puerto Rican woman. She calls him poppy, rice and beans. Boom. Five <laughs> the kids. The rest is history. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I was watching, what was it? What was it I saw first? Saving Private Ryan. And they all look so like, like sad to be there, you know what I mean? And then a couple years later or a year later, um, Wind Talkers came out. And Wind Talkers was about Marines. And like um, they were just killing everybody, kicking in doors. Don't shoot, let them burn. And uh, they're, they're, they're cornered off, they're about to die. And the, this guy, he's breathing in a plastic bag. And you know he's hyperventilating and he's like, what's wrong with him? And he's like, I can't breathe when I'm excited. You know what oh, I mean? And like, that's the mentality. Like, that was the mentality difference. And I was like, the army. Sorry, guys. I was like, that's all right. the army. That's me. Right. I'm going to the Marines. And that was it. I, I made my decision. I must have been in ninth, eighth grade or ninth grade. And I just knew that was it. You know, and I just, there was nothing else. Nothing else mattered. Like my life from that day uh, began preparation for the Marines. And did you wow. start training and, you know, trying to put together your own workouts to get ready for the Marines or did you? Yeah. Do I mean, I still, I, I played football in high school. So uh, I was always lifting weights. Uh, I was always doing pushups. And like I said, like everybody in my, my house is a type A personality. So by the time I was nine, I was like, oh, dad, wait till I make me go to bed early. I can't wait till I'm big and tall. I'm going to beat you up. I'm still <laughs> not bigger and taller than my dad. Right. Huh. So uh, like the pushup started at nine or 10 and the sit-ups. And then it just, it's just a lifestyle. Like I can't look back and remember not, um, you know, not, not working out. Um, how many push-ups can you do in a clip? I don't know. At, at this point, give like, or take, give or take more than you. I know. I know that. Good answer. No, but like, that's, that's always my answer. Like, oh, oh, who am wow. I doing push-ups with? Do you think one do more than you more than Dave? Well, at least oh, one more than Dave. This is good. I did a lot of push-ups. I pulled my I did a lot yesterday. I'm sorry. Oh, here we go. Hey, listen, I'm always down to compete. I like it. Uh, but it's interesting because you, you find, you know, I know personally a bunch of, um, males you know from high school that didn't list and they did it because they couldn't really find their their passion their niche and it's interesting to know that this is something that was basically ingrained from an early age 
You know, so I, I love that. Now, not to get into because we don't we don't do the politics. We don't do the, re- the religious thing here. But I want to know, do you have, you know, was there a passion for the country as well? And being able to put yourself, you know, on on the front line to be, basically be able to, you know, risk your life. So the, the answer is honestly no. Right. Because because I am first generation American, I didn't my my family didn't have that that um that tie to the country like we do now. Mm. Right. Like like seeing like what our freedoms cost and what what we have to pay to get them has brought that that um patriotism to my family you know like i like i would bleed on the flag to keep that to keep the stripes red wow. but at 18 it wasn't about that right like 17 it wasn't about that like i hate the word i hate when girls be like oh i'm looking for an adventure but i was that's kind of what i was looking for right and like i had told myself i knew i was always going to go to college it was if there was a war when I'm coming out of high school, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to the war. If there's no war, I'm gonna go to college, and then by then we should be in a war, and then I'll go to the war. Like wow. I, like I didn't like I tell people all the time like the difference between my experience in the military and yours was you served in the military, I fought in the military. Yeah. Right. Like like I fought with him, I didn't serve with him. Like that's how I explain it to people. Wow. And where does that like sureness and mindset come from? Be be ready to go to war, just on drop of a hat. And- Arrogance. Yeah, oh, you know what I'm saying? It, it's nice. it's arrogance. It's it's uh, it's um, ignorance, really, okay. right? Yeah. Like it's the last thing. Like I would, I don't want to send anybody to war. Like yeah. you should not send. Like you just don't understand. Like um, I think I communicate very well, and I and I still can't fully express everything that happens. Yep. Like I used to tell people when I first came back, my little play on words was, "If I have to explain, you wouldn't understand," mm. right? And then I, I got a lot of pressure from people that I serve with. They're like, yo, Dazir, you speak so well. You, you, should, you should be out there telling people what's going on. But it's just like it's, it's hard because it's, it's just I look at people and it's, they look at me like, no, nah, it can't be that way. Yeah. You know, it just, it just cannot be that way. And I'm like, but it is. Mm. Wow. Brad, um, so just to fill people in, I want to basically get a little specific. Where exactly did you serve and what was the, uh, you know, what year was this? Was it? Was there war going on? Tell us a little bit about that. So I was in uh, uh, the Al-Ambar province, uh, specifically this little uh, patch between uh, Ramadi and Fallujah called Habania, right? Um, and where is this? It's in, it's in Iraq, in the Al-Ambar province. Uh, I was there in 2006, 2007, and 2008. I was there during the, the peak of the war. Uh, I was there when Saddam was, was killed. Um, there were no weapons of mass destruction. And it was just completely... It was just completely, it wasn't what I expected, you know? Like, I thought I was going to get there and they'd be waving American flags and they, they'd be welcoming us with welcome arms. When I got there, I remember there was this moment I was in somebody's house, right? And I was like, oh, I'm the bad guy. Mm. I'm, I'm here, I'm the bad guy. Like, that was the first time in my life when I realized that things were not black and white, that things were gray, mm. right? And I, I think that's where, like, I started to grow up. Well said. Very well wow. said. And and I think I think you you make a good point that what you were saying before, you, you really can't fathom, you know, e- even and, and one, you are very well spoken, I, I must say. Thank you. And you have the ability to to tell stories. We we see it now and before when we were sitting down. Uh, you have the ability to tell stories and, you, and your passion just kind of speaks through. And I think that also does play into, you know, how you grew up, your mindset. So it, it all is tying together very, very well. When did the, I guess, transition happen or how did your love for MMA 
kind of come about. And you served with someone that, or excuse me, you fought with someone that was in MMA already, right? Did Brian I read Snare? that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, my first day in the fleet, uh, Brian, the fleet would be like, um, okay, so think about, we're all sports fans here, right? So boot camp would be like the NFL draft or whatever in training camp. And then when you get to your team and, and you know, the season starts, that's the fleet, right? So my first day in the fleet, Brian Stan was getting his silver star. So that's how um that's how I know him. I was in Kilo Company. He was the uh, wep- weapons company commander. So I didn't serve directly under him. I knew him from, you know, training out in the uh, out at the gym at Wrights Carolina Karate Center after after work, what we would call work after training. So that's how I, I knew him. And that's kind of how I, I got like a little foot in the door for MMA. Nice. Wow. And were you practicing any moves on any of your siblings at a, at a young age? Kind of like, uh, you know, Mike, no, and, Mike so, and Frank. Yeah. <laughs> so I took a, I tried to take like a, a Kung Fu class because when I thought of fighting, I thought of like Bruce Lee. And they had me walking around in like this horse dance doing all this. What I thought was stupid stuff at the time. And then when I when I as I get got further along in martial arts, I realized that it wasn't stupid. It was just outdated. Mm. Right. So like. Uh, I know the camera can see me, but a lot of everybody when they're doing like a karate block, they'll always do like hiya, hiya. A lot of people don't know that that comes from, you know, the samurais used to have uh, armor on, mm-hmm. and when someone would attack you with a broadsword, that was a proper defense. Uh-huh. But people don't attack you with broadswords anymore, but because they took the the sparring or the the competition out of martial arts to commercialize it, you know, that stuff never got washed out, and that's what that's what MMA did. It just it just um, remixed martial arts. That's all it really did. So no, I wasn't really trying on my on my siblings. Uh, when I got to the Marines, like our first kind of like in boot camp, our first training was hand to hand, and I just fell in love with it. Yeah. And uh, see, here's something that I'll, I say all the time, and people look at me like I'm crazy. When I was in the when I was in boot camp and I was in uh, the fleet and infantry school, violence was rewarded. It's always rewarded. The better you are at violence in the Marines, the better your life is. Right. So I just kept practicing. I wanted a better life. Right. And and I'm talking about simple stuff like more sleep, more food. People left you alone. Mm. People left your friends alone. If you could beat people up, that's what that's what was that's what was respected. Mm. Your ability to to implement violence. That's it. Wow. So I just and got really good at implementing violence. And when you started, was there a, a facet of the MMA that you wanted to dive into more? Like, did you, you know, with the striking or was it? The, the uh, I loved it. I loved it, you all, loved it all. I loved it like, all. I loved it all. or, you know, like uh, so we had. I, if this was more more of an adult podcast, I'd be able to break it down for you perfectly. But you know, we got some younger listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but it's um. <sighs> I might have to do it anyway, right? So yeah, break break it down so for us. Try the way I the way I yes, the way I explain it is it's like women, right? Like sure, I have my preference, right? But I never turn either one down. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> the choke is as good as the armbar. The armbar is as good as the leg lock. Whatever the punch is as good as the kick. Whatever works, I'm in love with. Okay, that's how I feel. I have no bias towards any technique. Do you have a uh, opponent that you like? Like, uh, do you like fighting bigger dudes, smaller dudes? Like, do you have a preference on that? Because I'm always curious. Because I know you fought that dude in Muay Thai. I think it was. Yeah, right? it was. He was. Yeah, was I huge. didn't have a choice. You know, and you were punching him. Like, uh, yeah, I didn't you, really have a choice. Yeah. I don't like fighting bigger dudes, right? Because the truth is, is size only. Um, size doesn't matter. Only when both people. Uh, only when one person doesn't know how to fight. Got it. If both people know how to fight, size matters. Got if it. both people don't know how to fight, size matters. Right. Um. Obviously, I prefer to fight, you know, somebody who just 
is not a uh, a big puncher or a big kicker because now it eliminates a lot of a lot of threats. Got it. Right. Nice. What what what's worse though, getting kicked in the face or punched in the face? Ooh, that's good. So, um, and why? Well, you, I, I've, I've been kicked, I've been knocked out once by a kick in the head, Ooh. and um, you just don't feel it. Yeah, what what's that like? You just wake up and you're like on it's the emasculating. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm like sure I've had a concussion. Hurts. Is it like a concussion in football? You ever have a concussion? Yeah, but it's 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 different. It's, worse. it's concussion. No, it's I'm concussion sure it's on a different yeah. level, right? Yeah. So like, um, it's like uh, when you can't remember what happened, and then like. As the further you get away from it, the more you can remember. But it's like looking uh-huh. through a keyhole. Whoa. Like, I remember defending a takedown. And then the next thing I remember, I'm in the shower with two Coronas. And then the next thing I remember, you know, I'm with some with so-and-so. And then I was home. Whoa. Yeah, it's like wow. that. Like, you just lapses. You just lose. You just lose. And There's the, just no recollection of time. And the other side, more positive. When you knock someone out, is that a very... I mean, it's pretty savage to ask. Nah, but it feels is normal. That, yeah, it just feels normal. When you just hit it right in the button, it just it, you don't you know it. like sometimes you just watch uh you just watch their eyes go, yeah. and then you kind of know right. Yeah, I'm, so, yeah, I'm yeah. so soft. But that's the scary. Yeah, but you're not. You're I'm not. not? Mm, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, well, you, when you're, you're fighting for your life, you might not be. Yeah, yeah. Of it's, course, it's when pushed, but like, but it's relative, right? So like, um, y- like you wouldn't be fighting me. No, right? of course. But like, the feelings that you would feel on on your level of competition are the same level, the same feelings that I feel on my level. Mm. Like, I'm still scared. I'm still nervous. And the, the fear is different. People are like, oh, but you've been to war. I'm not scared of dying. It's fear of embarrassment, of humiliation, of being on somebody else's highlight reel. Yeah. You know, of, um, you know, it, it's, it's that kind of, it's that kind of fear. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not worried about getting my arm broken or my nose broken. You know, it's like, and then, you know, your game, right? Like, I know that, like, I really don't want to get punched in the face, but <laughs> I know good, that if you good. smash my nose, it won't stop me. Got it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, you want to prevent hits, to, especially, you know, you're getting a little older, so you want to make sure that you're managing that. And Yeah, but it's 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 not even that. Like, it's a, it's just like the mindset, like, just I'm unyielding. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if, if, this, if this podcast fails, right, are you not going to try anything else ever again? No, you'll try. Maybe you'll try another one. Maybe you'll try a YouTube channel. Maybe you'll look back and it's like, well, what do we do wrong? Well, how do we fix that? Yeah, it's the same thing, man. Like, it yep. just doesn't stop. All right. Yep. No, that's that, that's a good point. Now, before we, you know, on the outline, we, we just basically covered different topics, and I want to know from you: Can do you want to stay on the MMA or can we go to war stories? Which which um uh, route do you want to go? Because I I know you were in war, you know, in the conversation, and when I say war stories, I don't mean you know tell us these. All, all these specific stories, but you started something on Instagram and you had posted a couple things just in the highlights. And I read a couple of them. You're a phenomenal writer. Thank you. You know, and I, I definitely want to touch on that. So which, which, which way you want to go it, first? It doesn't matter. So I, I know that um, everybody always wants to talk about that because it's, it's the, uh, you don't have that accessibility to people with those experiences. So I understand that. And I'm, I'm cool with that. And we can talk about that at length and I will be as as candid as possible. Wow, that that's awesome. You, you want to say something there, or are you? Good? No, no. I was just gonna say the, uh, and I apologize for all the questions about MMA, but I'm I'm it's getting okay. more and more into it, I can and tell. I always want to <laughs> ask the questions because I enjoy watching it, and I'm learning. And your series of teaching the the moves helped me appreciate it more. So I that's why I was curious about oh, all thank that you. stuff. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, and I'm curious as to hear what the the next steps are for that. Right. So at the so we'll we'll jump to the to the war stories thing and kind of just how it came about because. 
on, on Bradley's Instagram, you know, I was just kind of fishing through it. And, you know, I, I read a couple of these stories. How did you make the decision to say, you know what, let me put my my feelings onto paper versus, you know, going to talk to somebody? When did that happen? Did it happen when you were at war, when you came back or what? So while I was, uh, my dad had suggested that I had write, kept a diary when I was in Iraq the first time. And um, I, I tried for a little bit, but like it was just it was just mentally exhausting, like everything you go through then to come back and try to write it down. And I was like, you know what? I'll never forget this. Right. And then I was like, and if I do forget it, I'd be happy. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I had gotten recruited to go out to Thailand to live, train and fight free for a year. And I needed money to get to uh, I needed money to get a flight. Right. So I started a GoFundMe and I said, hey, in exchange for this, I will blog. Right. And then I started blogging there and I had met a girl that was from Iraq and we were talking or whatever. And she, I was like, hey, where are you from? She's like, I'm from Iraq. I'm like, oh, I've been there. And then it was just like, like mood changed. And just like the conversation that we had and the like. Like the I, that was the first time since I had been out in the Marines where I had felt and saw such hate for, for me in somebody's eyes, you know, and then that's how it started because I wrote about that experience and then um, it just kind of just snowballed and I just started writing a little bit about Iraq and I mean, like I write, I write about everything like I, I write about love, lust, success, failure, heartbreak, but the only ones that I really let out were like this little mini series that I did called Growing Up in a War Zone. And um, because I feel like that's where I really grew up, you know, like I can like I could I can look at pictures uh, and, and in those six months, there's, there's pictures of me and me and one of my friends in the beginning. And then it's uh, the same picture of us at the end. And we look 15 years older. Right. And I felt like that's where I really grew up. So I called it growing up in a zone. Wow. And, and did you write prior to writing that series? Like, was that a common practice for you? Diaries or was that a whole new uh, a little, a, a little bit of both, right? Like I yeah. just kind of, I kind of just write like memoir style. Yeah. So because I was uh, gonna say, it, it seems like you've been doing it a long time. When I read them, so I was just wondering if that was, uh, you know, something you were used to, and then you just adjusted it to the topic. So I don't, I'm, I'm not really sure how to answer. I am a, um, I am an oversharer, right? So I write. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's why we're here, yeah. right? I, I write the way I speak, which got me in trouble in school. You know, I like that though. Yeah, yeah. I, my I'm sorry, my seventh, my seventh grade <laughs> English teacher failed me. I'm like, mom, I'm good in English, I promise. And now my mom is like, Papi, I believed you. <laughs> now I believe you. In college, I was in basically ESL English, and I'm like talking fine English, and I'm like, what am I doing in this class? And like, your SATs in English were so bad. Hey, so, wait, you were in ESL? Yeah, yeah ESL English yeah, wait, in college. Wait, wait really? in college? Yeah. What college you go to? Uh, UConn, University <laughs> of Connecticut. UConn? Oh, man. So I walk in, and it's all athletes, a couple athletes that are in the MLB now, but and then everyone else had very thick accents. Oh, so yeah, I looked at my poppy. other buddy who was also in the class. I'm like, dude, I think we're in the wrong class. Yeah, my English would have got worse. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I I, so is that how real estate came about? Well, real estate, you just <laughs> if you get the deals done, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, that's true. You know, people that's don't good. grade you on your English. But anyway, go ahead. So <laughs> that's awesome. You so, just you just hit something. No, that, that's that's <laughs> good. So the the stories, if there's, you know, one, I would love to sit down with you all day. But if there's like one story that you know, you, you would feel comfortable sharing with us and you can kind of reflect on it. I want to hear it. So uh, the, the one that got the most traction was I had wrote about 
um, a girl that got hit by a rocket, right? And that seemed to got the, the most traction because uh, at this stage in our life, a lot of us are having kids or have have kids. And it, it's just different because now when you talk about sending people to war, it's 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 going to be our kids. It's going to be our little brothers, our little cousins. You know, it's not us anymore. We're, we're, we're too old to fight. So when I share that, I think that's what hit a lot of people. And we can touch on that if you guys would like. Yeah, let, let's get into that. I definitely yeah. want to hear that. So um, it's now that I've written about it, it's kind of hard to uh, to uh, narrate it. But essentially, I was I was sitting on the floor. I was laying on the floor. We had no beds, right? So I'm laying on the floor. I have my rifle across my chest, just like like always. Like your rifle becomes a part of you, to the part where to the point where well, the the hardest adjustment I had when I came home was not having my rifle, and not because I felt. Um, like I wanted it. it was just so used to having it. You ever go somewhere? It's like, oh, my wallet, my phone. Constantly. I, I that would happen with my with my rifle. I'm like, where's my rifle? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, where's my rifle? You know, like for for months, for months. Wow. That was yeah, that was hard. So I get, I hear, I hear a man screaming. Right, I hear, I hear a man screaming. So I get up, put my weapon on fire, and I'm running to see what's going on. And then I just see this man, and this, this he's holding this uh, this daughter. She must be like like five years old, five or six years old. Her arms and her legs are flailing. And by this point, you know, you've seen dead people. So you know what uh, a dead body looks like. And she looked dead, like just the lifelessness. And he ran up to our fence and he was you know, on his knees. You know, uh, he let out a war cry. And when I say war cry, I don't mean like a, a, a cry of power, like charging forward, like a cry of desperation, like willing to give his unconditional surrender. We looked at him. And he was begging us to to let him in to to help his daughter, and no one seemed to care, like myself included. You know what I mean? Like we just looked and I was like, "Yo, this is just war." Like, but we let him in. We cleared what was our makeshift kitchen table, and we put this little girl on the counter on the table. And um, I remembered the way that like her head just rolled when it when we put her on the table, like from one side to the other, like there was just no life in her. And I could remember watching the father's heart just leave, you know, leave his chest with his daughter as he put her on the table. And um I asked what happened and you know, they were like, she was hit with a rocket. And you know, there's explosions all the time. So like you don't pay attention to it. Um and that that's that's really hard too because you'll hear gunshots, you'll hear explosions, you'll hear bombs, and you always forget that people are on the other end of that. Right. Like it's not just training anymore. Like people are receiving that. And uh, she was outside playing with her. She was outside playing with her brother and she just they fired at us. They missed us. They hit the wall by her house and she got she took the most the most damage. Um, I remember trying to help uh, Doc Jackson find the vein on her and just no veins like she had a little blue vein in her like by her big toe that he tried to put an IV in. And the vein, but the vein collapsed. You couldn't get an IV in. Um, she just smelled like death, like the burning skin. That's something I'll never forget. Like the hair, the the skin, the way it, you know, like you try to touch her and you can, and you like you feel it coming off. It was just, it was just so nasty, um, just so nasty. And then other Marines were coming in and out to get food. They would look at this little girl dying on the table and pay her no mind. Like that's the kind of stuff that it does to you. Like. She dies, she dies, bro. Like, that's kind of it. And, you know, they come, they get their food. They wouldn't even ask if she was okay, you know? And, um, like, you know, I, I might be having re- revisionist history, but, like, I probably didn't care as much as I, as I do now, too. You know what I'm saying? 
But um, we tried to call for a medevac, and they were like, it's a, you know, like it's a little Iraqi girl. Like, why do you why do you want to send a medevac? You know what I'm saying? It's like she's not worth American lives. I was in a very dangerous part of the of Iraq. Thank you. And they just told us no, right? They're like, do what you can, you know, whatever you want to do, just do it there. And um, that hurt, right? And I don't even think that was the worst part. I think the worst part for me was I gave up on her. You know what I mean? I looked at her. I'm like, oh, this little, this little girl's going to die, right? Um, you know, so I, I left her to die on that kitchen table. I went. I got some headphones and tried to play, uh, what was it, Kings of Comedy, King of, King of Queens, you know oh, what I'm saying? Great show. Yeah, I tried to. You know, I can't watch Love it. Since, I can't watch it since I've uh, since I've been oh, home. Oh, really? I can't. I, I just can't. Yeah, because you know? then it puts you back. Yeah, in, uh, I just can't do it. Yeah, um, it's not that good of a show. Never mind. That's all right. It was good at the time. It was good when I needed it to be <laughs> yeah. good. And it was just so hard, you know, like to walk out, hearing her faint, her faint, her faint screams, you know, like her dying screams. And um, she was such a pleasant little girl. Like she was so beautiful. She was so beautiful. I met her. We were doing uh, a patrol through the city. Um, for hearts and minds, you know, we had killed their, uh, you know, a bunch of them, the men in that, that little city, that little town or whatever. So we would try to go and give like candy out to the kids and food and presence patrols. And we were going through a school and I met her and, you know, she looked Hispanic. So she, she felt like, uh, like a little cousin. Like she reminded me of my cousin Janine at the time. And, um, she would hug my leg and I would swing her when I walked and she'd call me chocolate man. And, you know, she was just like an, like an innocent child. Yeah. And then, um, that, that happened to her. And you know, I, I left her in that kitchen to die. We all left her except for doc Jackson. Doc Jackson did not leave. He stayed there all night with her. She didn't die. But in the morning we were both very different. You know what I'm saying? Like, I always say like, that's the night that I became a man. Like that's the, that's the night that I, I can make hard rational decisions like i could perform triage after that like i could look at you and be like don't waste your time like he's gonna die she's gonna die just keep like move forward keep moving right like that was the moment that 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 happened for me i believe we all went through moments like that and that happened to me mine but she was also very different too in the in the morning like she no longer called me chocolate man she no longer smiled when she saw us. She no longer greeted us. She just took what she needed to survive from us. Like we became a means to an end. Um, I have a picture and there's a picture of her in the school. She's all smiling and happy. And then we have a picture when we were coming on a patrol to treat her and like the, just the look of disdain and, and hate in her face at such a young age. It's like, damn, like she's going to grow up to hate us. And that's how this fight just continues in perpetuity like it just never ends you know like like you, if you shoot somebody's father outside of their house the kid sees that grows up he's 7 18 17 18 now he's ready to fight too you know it's like it's just it's just you just can't win man you just cannot win just can't win wow this this story i mean and just everybody out there i'm hearing this the same time um you know that we're recording this so i i got chills on me man and and the the description of it, it it's a it's an incredible story, um, but it, it says a lot about you too. You know how you can relive that moment, and how you could basically tap into your feelings. And now you realize, looking back, that you know what you weren't able to to have the emotions that you have now. Uh, but thank you for sharing that story. That thank that you. is um, my pleasure. Wow. But we're just so young. We're nineteen. Like I don't I don't know. Like I'm having feelings that I've like I'm I'm experiencing feelings that I've never experienced before, mm -hmm. and I have nobody to 
to guide me through it. Like what people don't realize is there's a lot of authority in the military, but there's not a lot of adults, right? Like at 19 years old, my squad leader is 20. Wow. My lieutenant is 23. Never thought about that. Yeah, a lot of people don't. My lieutenant's fresh out of college. He's 23 years old, right? And the most senior man is your staff sergeant. He's at 25 at best. I never thought about that. That's a very good point. A lot of authority, not a lot of adults. That's and a it's great a, point. yeah, it's very like it's abusive. Now, now looking back at that piece right there, is there something that you think that we can do as a country to change that? Like, how do you mind our business? I but, mean, so it, here's how I feel, right? Like, I don't care what country in the world comes. I live in the Bronx now, right? If some other country comes and tries to come and you know regulate the Bronx or police the Bronx, I'm shooting you from my window. I'm shooting you from my car. A lot of people don't realize that. A lot of those people that were we were fighting in Iraq weren't just all Al Qaeda. Uh, they just didn't want foreigners in their country. And you know, as an adult now, like I can understand that, right? And I I think it's like it it was very different because it's not like like for us it was business. Like I remember like. We like they wanted us to be so professional. Like the, the biggest thing when I was in was uh, be kind, be professional, but have a plan to kill everybody you meet. Right. And I, I, I live I still I still live that right. Live by that. And these people to them, it was like these are invaders on our soil. Like this is personal. Like for us, like some of us are just there collecting a check. Some of us are trying to get citizenship. Most of us are trying to get to college. Right. It's a lot of um, it's a lot of it's middle like the middle class people in in the military that's they're they're kind of few it's a lot of like lower class or you know uh middle working class lower middle class type people in the military so it's hard. everybody's there for a reason there's very few people there for you know uh god god and country god country and core you know it, it becomes about god country and core later wow um i, I there's really no no words but um, again, man, thank you, thank you for that story. So let let's jump into the MMA career, right? You you have a had a big moment at uh, the most the world's most famous arena, and um, you want to yeah. tell us about that that moment at uh, MSG? That was dope, man. I mean, you know, like uh, if you if you if you uh, if you do any kind of combat sports, Madison Square Garden is the mecca. It, it, it just is, right? Like, I could have fought King Kong that night and he didn't stand a chance. You know, like, like this is my house. This is my home. This is my city. There's nobody in the world that you could have put that you could have put in there at me that night. Um, That was dope. Such a great experience. First round knockout, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. First round knockout. What'd you walk out to? What song? Uh, I worked out. To, I walked out to Uncle Murder Body Dance. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Shout out Uncle Murder. There yeah. you go. And Bobby Schmurda. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, man. Yeah. Um, so obviously that's a that's a highlight, and you know that's something that that you look back and and you're you're proud of, you know. But there's got to be those moments, like you were saying, that you know what you don't want to end up on somebody's highlight reel. What is it going into a fight that kind of I guess allows you to put yourself in a mind space to where it's like, all right, I can't get, I can't get knocked out today. You know, I, you I just prepare. don't think like that. Right. So it's funny is that my career low light followed right after my so far career highlight. Right. And it's, um, I've knocked out, I think 13 people and I've never in just in competition, like practice doesn't yeah, count. Yeah. Right. I've never once thought about being knocked out. Never once. It's never crossed my mind. Right. Like it's just like if, if you and I got into a gunfight, I get this is where it comes from the Marines. I'm not thinking about dying. I'm thinking about killing you. 
right? Like if you're playing a game, you should be thinking about winning, not losing. That's just that's just the way it is, right? So like you, you never really think about it and you're not prepared for it, but um, it, it happens and it's like um, when I got knocked out, I was like, I can't believe I got knocked out. And my friend was like, yo, it's only, it was only a matter of time. You have 27 professional fights. Like, yeah. what did you think? You were never going to get knocked out? And when, when he put it to me like that, I was like, damn, you're right. Right. But you just, you just, it just doesn't feel like it can happen to you. Yeah. You know, like it's just, you have to have that, that alpha mindset. Like whoever you put me in with is going to die. Like that's how I fight. Like violence of action. Like that's just one way. And like, if, if you're going to lose a fight, that's kind of how you want to lose. Right. Yeah. But you don't want it to happen. But yeah. After that knockout, did it change how you fought in the future? Uh, well, I haven't fought yet because I had to get my ACL oh, yeah, repaired yeah, and then right. it got infected. So that's been all, like, then we'd be coming up to current times. Nice. Um, it, it did change a lot. Like, I, I, I have, I did go through a lot of growth, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the the embarrassment, like, it's, like, it still hurts, man. Like, it's, sure. it still hurts. And it's just, you know, like, I look at it and it was like, damn, when I got, when I got knocked out, um, my hand was in the proper position. It went through my like I was wondering why my fingers hurt, and then when I saw the uh, the the clip, the kick went right through my fingers and it hit right. me in the side of the head. And I just you know then I next next thing I remembered I was in the shower with two Coronas. That's not a bad way to wake up. <laughs> I was gonna say, but this also plays into you know the the whole no snooze mindset and you basically taking the struggles of your life, the adversities, whether it was at war or it was in the ring, you know, you, you're able to reflect on that now to to then continue you in a in a um a, a positive progress, I guess. But so your your most recent fight was that knockout? Yeah. So how did, you know, you you're wearing a, a first round management and and there's been some some big news there. You got signed now by this management company. How did that happen after a, a lost fight? Um Really, that's why you have a team, right? Like, so the the way the team way way teams work in MMA is, um, my team's a little different, right? Like, everybody here has been training together for at least. I'm the most junior one to this team because I came after the Marines, and I'll make ten years with them uh, at the end of the year, right? Wow. So these guys have been growing up like friends. We're like the Sandlot, right? Where, so um, it's really kind of about brand association, right? So I I think our our big uh. From the outside, because it's funny, the, the way we, we view each other on the inside is different than the way they view us from the outside. I'm sure. So yeah. from the outside in, our, our, I think our, our, our fighter with the most upside right now is Shane, right? And um, this management company, uh, they, re- they really wanted, they really wanted a, a couple of us, right? But when they saw how tight-knit we all were, they're like, oh, yeah, we, we can't take one of you and not the other. So um, Shane, Lyman, and myself flew out to Miami for them. Right, good place and, to go get recruited. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was dope. And I, I, the thing is, I don't think any of us would have been recruited the way we were recruited if we weren't as yeah. strong together. Smart. Right? Yeah. I didn't know they did that. I didn't know they signed whole teams. It makes sense. Well, they only got half of us, so oh, they really? still got to get the other half. Oh, so wow. they're, they're still working for for the other half of the team, and they, they nice. got a little competition. So, um, I think they're great, and I think I think that's the way I'm pushing my teammates to go. Nice. You know? Wow. Um, but I, I just want to also say, you know, and, and not just because I know you, but I, I think it's a great move on, on their piece. You know, you're not only the the fighter, Bradley Desir, but y- your your story is incredible. The way you present yourself is is incredible. Uh, so I think you stand for a lot more. And a, a, as you know, a management company, they're making a good move. On oh, you. thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, so, Mike, that kind of this is a lighthearted thing, but. 
there's still opportunity for you now. I was going to say, do they need a real Be- estate agent because, on this, on the no, team? No, not, not there. But, you know, when, when we do get picked up, you know, by somebody really big, that means that you're going to come along with me, man. So. Oh, I appreciate uh, it. There he goes. <laughs> I'm the ankle weights. That's my guy. I'm just kidding. I'm Listen, just as long as I you. get in there, don't know. It doesn't matter how. Right? Yo, I'm all about you the know what? product. And, and that's what I tell people all the time. I'm like, damn, everybody's so so prideful. And it's like, do you remember when you were a freshman in high school or freshman in college and you're on JV? You didn't care about if you were invited to the, the, the varsity house party. If you got in through the back door, you were happy because you were there. Right. And that's how I try to look at things. Like, I don't care how I got there. I'm just happy that I'm here. Well, I don't have a front door in my house. So, you know, hey, the side, the back, that's through my, the, roof, uh, the window, that's my MO. I'm just happy that I'm here, baby. Yeah. No, man. But the um, the team aspect, you know, we, we can only relate to it, to what we're going through now with this, you know, passion project side business that that we're running. But you took it now from, you know, being at war. To now, it's interesting to see, though, that whole teamwork aspect, because like Mike was saying, I would have never guessed that, you know, management would have came in and saw that dynamic and like, look, we're not breaking that up. So that's really dope to see. Um, what, what are, um, you know, tell us some some future plans, I guess. Uh, obviously, you've done the Bellator thing. Yes. Where, where are we going with this? So I, I got new management. So, you know, we got a bunch of things in, in flux. Um, they're looking to have me fight again here in May. So hopefully May I'll be I'll be I'll be fighting. Um, I don't know where yet. There's, there's, we have a bunch of options. I'm even thinking about doing some bare knuckle boxing. Oh, um, that's just for me. That's just like that's the marine geez. in me. That's like the martial artist in me. Like, um, you know, just like because it would be uncomfortable. It would be outside my comfort zone, and it would take more mental toughness than physical toughness. And I hear they're throwing some big money around, right? Yeah, yeah. See, see, see. <laughs> I, I know the business. That doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah it doesn't hurt. <laughs> wow, that that's good. Is there um now? How does one make the leap from you know? Because we have a buddy. His name is Kostriat Gemma. And, you know, we, we grew up with him. He, he's a great fighter. And he did the Bellator thing for a while, too. I'm not sure if, if you guys connected. Um, but if not, I think I need to put you guys in contact. Yeah, sure. But I'm curious, how do you then make the leap from there to obviously what everybody knows as, as the UFC? So really, really, it's like sometimes you don't want to make that leap, right? So what the UFC really sells you is uh, branding and marketing. But, like, the, they'll pay you better in other organizations. So, like... Um, and this is something I learned from my new management crew. They, they ask us straight up, are you a UFC fighter or are you a prize fighter? And I am a prize fighter. You know what I mean? Like, I will fight you bare knuckle if the prize is right. I will, I will fight you, you know. That's why we get along because I yeah, think yeah. I'd be a prize fighter. Yeah, I'm a right? prize fighter. I think I'd be a prize fighter. You know what I'm fighter. saying? Like, I've already, I fought two wars for free, bro, pretty That's much. True. Like, I'm not, I'm not fighting for pride anymore. Yeah, you got to pay me, right? It's like... um. Well, that's Jorge Masvidal's whole thing now, too, right? He's smart. And, you know, he's yeah, like, whatever's the biggest so money, like, I'm in. Yeah, so he, he's he's on first round, too, right? There you go. So um, it's just it's just different. Like, uh, like for some people, it might be in your better interest to go from the UFC to Bellator because they might pay you more. Bellator might not want you. You know, PFL, yeah, it depends. But really what I've noticed is it's less about your skill set and more about your entertainment value and who you're connected with. Yeah. You know, um. The if I could give any young fighter uh, a piece of advice, it's get a, a good management team that you trust and just listen to them. Um, uh, the issues that I've had in my career were uh, generally through mismanagement. I, I don't like to say poor management because I don't believe it was poor management, but just some mismanagement, just some learning. Like um, if you're a young, if you're a young aspiring fighter, don't f- find yourself a young aspiring manager. Find yourself an established manager, nice. right? That's you really don't you advice. don't want to be the guinea pig. I was the guinea pig. I got a question too for you. So, do you listen to a Brendan Schwab? Schwab? I, I do not. I've I've heard some of his stuff, but I don't I don't really follow him. So here's the thing. He talks a lot about the uh, the chess of 
fighting. He yes, talks about it. Right, well, paper, scissors, shoot. Yeah, he's very smart as far as strategy. Or I think. I mean, I'm, I'm not in the business, but how much input do you have on the strategy of it with the management team? Is it like, you know, listen, I want to try to fight this guy, or do they say... That's exactly how it's done, but it, it's less about what you want to do and more about what your coaches want to do because... Nice. As a you know, as a they fighter, mean, as that's an what alpha, they're paid for, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like I think I can. Fi- I think if you put me in a ring with King Kong, I like my chances, yeah. right? King, you got a, a thing with King Kong. You keep yeah, rapping. You want to fight he, him? He's, huh? he's the big dog. He's, the big, he's dog. the big dog, right? <laughs> or Godzilla, whoever. Oh, but like, if you're my friend, you might be like, "Yo, my man, you know, like, you yeah, should yeah. You, you should fight Barney instead. Yeah. <laughs> you <gonna, laughs> should be that way, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're gonna get paid the same I'll, to fight Barney. I'll fight Barney. Yeah, I'll definitely mess up Barney. That's what a man tell Teletubbies, too. Yeah, I'll knock out all four of them. <laughs> Are there four? Yeah. That's Imagine what, they hit me up and they're like, all right, let's set this up and get knocked out. You're going to get it. recruited by but the But that's exactly what a, a, an agent or a manager is. They yeah. take the unbiased look. It's like, look. I'm sure you would fight him, but your chances of beating Barney are significantly higher than King Kong. Right, let's so let's go Barney. with Barney. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Take us in the ring. I want to know from a from a strategy standpoint. You know, when you're coming up with your your techniques and your your strategy to defend. Obviously, you study the the opposing fighter. What impact does your corner have on you when you're actually in the ring and you get punched in the face? That's a good question. Does it take you off your, you no, know, your strategy? No, it, because it's normal, right? So, like, you get punched in the face every day at practice, and your corner's talking to you every day at practice, uh, right? So my issue isn't that. My issue is is that um, uh, a fight is a very high-stress environment, and after you've been through, after you've been to war, there's nothing that, that reaches that threshold. So sometimes you don't turn all the way on. But my, my friend that was in, my, my brother that was in the same squad as me, Right. Like I'm used to hearing his voice in firefights. So I hear his voice over my coaches and I hear, yeah, and I hear my sister's voice over my coaches because those are the voices of people that are very important to me that, you know, I'm used to hearing in through hard times and dangerous times. So like my coach would be telling me something like step left and my boy would be like, you know, it'd be saying something funny like, oh, uh, that's why his wife is fat. You know what I mean? Or, <laughs> yeah. or something like, that's why your mama don't love you or something. You know what I mean? And it's like, yep. damn, I can't focus. You know, I can got to get him to shut up. <laughs> so that that's the the struggle that I have. But um, I don't know. Like to me, it's it's just a fight. Like it like violence has become so normalized. Right. From my, my time in the in the military. So it's just like eh, it's just a fight. Like I can have a I can have a conversation with you. Like yeah. you'll see um, sometimes you'll see fighters talking to each other. Oh, yeah. Like that's it's normal. Yeah. You know? yeah, that always bugs me out. Like after, especially right after we fight, like that that Nate Diaz. I think it was the second fight, Nate Diaz and McGregor fight. It's one of the best fights. It's got to be of like all time. The way that they they just the build up. They for, sold it to oh, you. No, 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 no. But the actual the after. fight itself. For I think it was it was a championship fight. But was it twenty or twenty five minutes? It wasn't a championship fight. It was a main event. It was what? Oh, main event. Okay, yeah. but the but it was definitely the second time, right? That was when they went. Yes, the distance. they went to distance. But the the battle that you saw, and then the the level of respect that you have for the fight, and this could be anybody, whether you're a McGregor fan or not. But the level of respect it brings it back to life. That you know what we did just go to war, but I respect what you do. I may not like you, and if you step in front of me again, I am gonna punch you in the face. But it, it's just an amazing thing to see in the ring when you finish a fight the the amount of respect that fighters have for each other yeah but but that that become that comes from that's just professional courtesy really right so it's like if you do anything at a high level you know how, how difficult it is so you respect somebody else that's doing it on your same level whether they're the competition or not right and that's it it's like my man 
I just, I hit you 200 and something times and you're still here and you're still ready for more. Like I can respect you. Right. I just, we just made a, some good money together. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like some, say, sometimes that, you hate each other. Embrace because like, yeah. oh, we did it. And you know, yeah. bank accounts would be a little bit. Some, sometimes you, sometimes the, the hate is real, but most times it's, it's professional. Like, yeah. like I don't like, like, uh, like you don't have to love somebody you sleep with. You don't have to hate somebody you fight. It's just kind of, you know, this is the job. It, 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 it is what it is. Yeah. That's good, man. Um, so do you mind tapping into the whole because there were there were questions that came in and we'll get into the little questy piece. Um, but I, I'm interested to know. And, and I know Mike is because we were talking about this before the PTSD piece, whether it's personal to you or what you've seen, you know, in your circle. I know that you actually just lost somebody, uh, I believe, this week. Yeah. Right. Um, Sleepy. Sorry. For and, your and, loss. and and oh, definitely you. sorry for your thank loss, you. Me man. Too. Um, you know, but but the way that you basically reference it, and you're like, you know what, this is the good memory I have of him, and you know what, this is life, and I have to bounce back. Do you think that you are more normalized to this because of combat? And then, what is it that you see amongst your circle who you serve with in terms of PTSD? So uh, it is normalized because, and it starts as a joke, right? And I, I'll give you guys some, some more inside information in a second. But um, from day one, whenever you're doing some kind of combat ops or training, somebody's always hit, somebody's always dead, and they're always like removed, right? So um, it just, it happens all the time. So when it happens for real, it's just, you don't even bat an eye. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, he's hit. Like you'll, we'll be here talking around and, you know, the 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 senior lance corporal corporal sergeant he'll be like he's dead all right calling him calling you back and it's like why he's dead just leave him there you know what i'm saying and that kind of stuff happens like it's a routine casualty like there's no rush to get a burden or he's an urgent surgical now we have to rush to get a burden so it's it's taught to us from day one like a lot of people don't know that if you look at a lot of medal of honor recipients um they're usually privates or pfcs from jumping on grenades right do you know why the privates and pfcs that that have all those Awards? No. Because it's the senior guy saying, hey, boot, get on that grenade, right? So we come around playing around. Like, if you're new, I'll come in. I'll throw something on the floor and be like, frag out. And your job is to be frag like, out. frag out means like it's- Like fragments. Yes. Like, I'm th when I throw a grenade, I say frag out. When a grenade is incoming, an enemy grenade, you say grenade. So to train, oh, I'd be like, it. frag out. You would say grenade, and then you would jump on it. Why you know, me? why are you picking me? Because <laughs> because that because I'm that's a, the training, I, I, right? I, I like it's it's playing around, like you jump on it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so you're actually trained to you're, jump you yes. on grenades. And it's trained like that, like a joke, right? Like hit frag out, grenade, jump on it. Right? So wow. it's always the junior man. And then all these things are reps. So once the actual stuff happens, your mind is off. Because if you think about jumping on a grenade, you won't. Yeah, but you just... jump on it second nature because you see it, you've done it so many times playing around, you just jump right on it. Like, like that's how it's built. Wow. Mike, grenade. Nope. I'm good. Oh, no. Frag out. Frag out. Grenade. <laughs> Jump on. <laughs> Yo, dude, this is not to make light. No, of it, no, but no. Like, no, but that's this is this is how exactly yeah. how it's exactly. done. This that's is what how I, it's normalized. You just Mr. Miyagi'd me into that's that. That's what yeah, I was just trying to do. Because when you said, you know, not to make it not to make a joke out of it. That's how it must be. And it starts like that. And then through repetition, apply that to anything in your life. Right. This is obviously a terrible situation that we're talking about, but now flip it to a positive one to where if you're practicing good habits and you're doing the good things every single day, you're 
going to be making forward progress, right? So take some some story like this and now turn it to that. Yeah, like false motivation. Like another one we used to say is false motivation is is motivation. Like, let's go, let's go. Like, Thank you, Brad. You know, like you th- it sounds stupid and it sounds corny, but you say it enough times, it's like, right, I got to go now. You so know? I got to break this down for you, and I'm curious to know what, what you um, think about it. But I, I always tell um, Mike and, and CV that, you know, motivation is basically the first thing that can get you in the door because it's exactly that. It's it's motivation. It's kind of phony when times get hard. It's fickle. Right. But then the next step to that is like inspiration. So like now I'm not motivated, but I'm inspired. So I see a little bit of progress, but as soon as like real hard adversity comes, I still kind of bow out. But where we want to get to, and this is something that we're trying to get you know, every single day is you basically through repetition and through the actions, you develop an internal drive that no matter what happens, you continue to do the same things that put you in this positive place. Right. So does that, does that discipline sounds like discipline right. to me? There you go. Yeah. See the, with me, the, the fake rah, rah stuff sometimes turns me off, but when it's real rah, rah, like you're playing basketball and someone starts fighting or something and then you get emotionally involved, then I turn on. But if someone's like, all right, we got it, whatever. I'm like, all right. Like, yeah. take no, it. And, and that's yeah, true. Though. I hear you. And yeah. I do it with certain things. Like, but yeah. it, it depends who it's coming from. Exactly. Right? Because exactly. like, if, if if you associate me as the real rah-rah guy, I might be giving you fake rah-rah and you don't even know. But it's authentic to me. Yeah, exactly. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. No, I was curious because we, we always have those discussions. Because what we do here, you know, th- this isn't. As cool as it seems, this isn't that easy. You know, if people aren't aren't looking at the, you know, the content that we're putting out, we all have uh, wives, families, you know, there's so many different obligations. So we're in these early stages to where it's like, all right, guys, we got to, You know what? This is our adversity. And you know what? We got to get through this. And I just like applying stories like yours that are real stories to little things like this. And then the takeaway for listeners is for them to then, you know, take that same mindset and apply it. Um, can we get into uh Questy piece? Yes. Yeah? You, you cool with that, Brad? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So um, there was a couple you know, questions that came in. And Mike, uh, talk to us about that, that first one. Which one? First? <laughs> the first one. So uh, Questy. Uh, don't know who this was submitted by. I feel yeah, like we should put names I, well, on it. Well, it. it depends. Because so they'll we, like it. I basically put this out. And then if people don't put their name in the actual question at the end, like sign it as like Dave, yeah. then I don't. I don't. You know, feel comfortable just dropping right. the name. We'll ask but next go ahead. time. But how do you mentally prepare for battle, whether it's on the field or in the cage? How do you turn that off? You don't turn it off, right? And that's the issue that a lot of people suffer with. And I got to start. Wait, there. ever? No, it never turns off. Oh, okay, right. So it's like, um, and um, uh, I don't know. So the way the way I look at it is, people generally prepare their kids for the worst that they've seen, right? Like, um, like if your parents ever went through some kind of hardship, they always kind of prepare you for that, right? So like you can't turn it off, and once you once you've been to war, you you see what your what life is really about. Like a lot of military uh, personnel, like the way we speak is in sexual and violent innuendos. Because when you take everything out of life, that's what it's about, right? It's just about it's about trying to survive and trying to reproduce. Like that's literally what life is about, right? Look at look at nature, it's surviving and reproducing. That's all it is. And that's what kind of what becomes, uh, you know, like an, an, an important. So like it doesn't it doesn't turn off, and that's how you it's how you remember things like uh, our ditties and stuff like that. But um, I'm just I, I'm always thinking like, you know, damn, I should have water saved. You know, if something were to happen, where would I go? What would I do? You know, I still never I'll never stand in front of a door because you know bullets come through the door. 
you know, um, just just little things like I call them good habits that you just can't turn them off. You just you just don't turn them off. You learn how to live with them, right? Like if um, I can't I can't find a good explanation for it. Like it's like a it's like in your car, right? Like a certain light will go off. Like maybe a car is too close. You know the car is not going to hit you, but that light still goes off, and you still acknowledge that the car is too close, yeah. right? Like that's what happens to me. You know what I mean? Like somebody's hands behind their back. Like, it's an awareness. That yeah, like, like somebody will talk to me in like what we call the parade raster. You know, people use it for like a sign of respect, both hands behind their back, clasp their hands together, you know? And my first thought is always I want to see their hands, mm. right? And then my second thought is ah, it's it's midtown Manhattan, you know, but I, I'd still like to see their hands just to know. Yeah. Like it's stuff like that. It, it just doesn't turn off. You just can't turn it off. Wow. How do you decipher what you just explained or is what you just explained a form of PTSD? Uh, see, I, I don't. So uh, I personally don't um, associate with PTSD, right? And what people seem to forget. And why is, is that? I just, I just, it just doesn't affect, like I'm not, there's nothing that happened that's impeding the rest of my life. Okay. Right? Like I, I tell people all the time, like, once you've experienced war, you are a prisoner of war for the rest of your life. There's not an hour of my life that goes by that I don't think about Iraq, right? But like, it, it doesn't. It's it's not consuming. You know what I'm saying? Like, it um, like, I I, I don't avoid anything. You know what I mean? Like, one thing I would love to do, like if I had a if I had a wish, I would love to have a beer with some of the people that I fought against. I would love to drink a beer with them wow. and just talk. You know what I mean? Like, yo, so what was it like? Yeah, they, you know, he'd probably be like, oh, we would have got you if you didn't have helicopters. Oh, well, we had helicopters. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, I mean, right. You know? But, um, you know, stuff like that. Like, I would love to to just have a conversation and a drink with the people that I fought against. Does like, that there's come no from MMA? Because the MMA, that's kind of the... So, you right? know what? It, what I'm, maybe, right? There's no... Because, like I said, for us, it was very professional. Mm. For them, it was personal. Got it. Right? Like, we're not out here screaming infidels and, you know, stuff like that. It's like, yo, my man, I'm going to shoot at you for seven, eight months, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to go to college, and it's going to be, yeah, that's it, you know? Like, these kids, they from the moment they're alive, like, that little girl was five. She's got to be almost 20 now. You know what I'm saying? She's probably raising another kid in that. She's probably raising her own kid in that war zone now. So it's it's, it's just different. Yeah. But um, I also think that it's... I tell people that because I can communicate what happened uh, w- with the feelings that were associated with said events, people are like, oh, you must have PTSD because I would have PTSD, right? But it's like, nah, maybe you're just soft, right? And that's why you weren't there and I was. But um, it's also there's there's monetary incentives to have PTSD. You know, the government will pay you tax-free a certain amount depending on your PTSD every month for the rest of your life. So it's like, oh yeah, sign me up. I have PTSD. It's kind of a, it's kind of a joke. Like, um, there's less of us with PTSD than, than you would think. Um, but some of them have it, some people have it really bad. Right. But also it's, it's just the inability to move forward. Like there's nothing in your life that will replicate being in combat. It is the absolute apex of your life. Everything else after that is second rate. And it's like, it's like, it's like being with the woman that you love, right? And it doesn't work out. And then you settle for somebody else. Every day you think of, you think about that, like that, that true, that true love, that, 
that you know whatever sweetheart like everything else just feels second rate and that's kind of what war does it's like a hangover right like you just you live through so many lifetimes of emotions in a week and the the bond is just it's just crazy so you guys have siblings yeah yeah so you know how like when you're around your siblings they'll say something that you're like oh yeah i know it never says that but me oh i think like that too oh i remember that too it's the same exact feeling while when you're with people that you fought with the same exact feeling. It's a good way to explain it. Same exact and, feeling. And, and it makes a lot of sense. But I, I also think, you, you know, you having the ability to speak through this, it's, you know, it's a vulnerability because you're sharing the experiences that obviously happened to you. But I think a lot of people struggle with exactly what you excel at, if that makes sense. And especially those that I know personally, you know, who did who did fight and, you know, were, were in battle and at wars, they're not as available to their emotions but you you just have a, a really great gift of being able to explain your emotions like I, i'm sitting here and i'm just like thank you thank uh, no you. no really I, i'm appalled by what you know you know the way that you're saying it and it, and it and it just flows so easy and again i think that goes back to you know the the household that's conversation and, and the upbringing so my, my parents amazing, were really man. big on uh being able to express yourselves Right. And then my, you know, my dad got a little mad when we started to express our feelings about how he felt, you know I'm what sure, I mean? Double-edged sure. sword. But, um, but what I tell people all the time is I think the hardest part for me was it's such a small community, right? So I think roughly 1% of the population joins the military and of that 1%, 1% of that sees combat. So it's such a, it's such a small community where everybody knows everybody, like the whole seven degrees of freedom or separation or whatever. It's kind of real, right? So it's to the point where I'm I'm generally always the only combat vet in the room. So you have this this feeling of being alone, right? And everybody thinks that I'm so different and I'm so this and I'm so that. And then I'll meet other combat vets and I'll be like, oh, I am different. And I can realize how different I am because I can realize how similar we are. You know what I'm saying? And that's where that like running into your brother or your sister feels like. Um you're like a philosopher. You're breaking it down. I like yeah. when people oh, thank you. Thank take you. complex things and break it very simply down so that I, as someone who hasn't experienced it, can somewhat empathize to an extent. Yeah. And it's like uh, the way I explain it is they don't have to tell me that they're a combat veteran, right? Like within two sentences, you we know. know. We know. It's right. like, ah, yeah, my man. Yeah. You know what's up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or we'll be like, ah, he wasn't. Mm. You know, like <laughs> you, 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 just, know you just know, like the same way people say money, money knows money. It's it's the exact same. Like at hello, I can tell. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just the way the way you talk about it, the way you move. Like um, I tell people all the time, like I wasn't in the military, I was in the infantry. And people are like, oh well, what's the difference? I'm like, the culture. The culture is very different. You know, it's a subculture. It's just it, it's just so and inside that subculture is their subcultures. You know, it's 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 just it's amazing and it's 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 my it's my life's blessing to be part of that and to understand how differently assaultmen are from machine gunners, how machine gunners are from riflemen, you know, how riflemen are different from snipers and snipers are different from recon. It's just what post would you put us at? He would be a machine gunner. Yeah, that's you know I, I would mean? say that. <laughs> yeah. What about me? Would I be for those of you for those nah, of you nah, on, nah, on you'd probably YouTube. be like a mortarman. What's a mortarman? Wait, hold on. For those of you who are not on YouTube, 
Mike just Mike just asked Brad and pointed to me. What would he be? And Brad, what'd you say? A machine probably a machine gunner. A machine yeah. gunner. Wait, what would what, I be? What, what is Mike? A Mortarman. What is that? What was that? So a Mortarman's like your smart <laughs> mathematician <laughs> kid that's he's like he's like he's not gonna beat nobody no. up. Strategy, right? No, not really. Like he's I'll, not I'll gonna beat strategy. anybody up. He's not gonna jump on no grenades. He's gonna sit back. He's gonna drop mortars in a tube. He's gonna give you know what I'm saying. And he's gonna say, "Yes." Gonna say, wow, I gotta, I gotta go. toughen up, man. That's hilarious. But yeah. so That's I've tough. always had, um, and I'm not sure. You know, I think I know what a machine gunner is. But my, my, <laughs> Mike's like choking over there. Like, no, but my grandfather, you know, was in the service too. Traveled all over the world with with the Navy, um, and, and then was you know in the police force. And him and I are always like. I mean, he, he's he's past us now but everybody in my family has always compared me to him in terms of the mindset and if there was one thing that I think that I could have done it would be to go back to you know when I was 17 18 years old and actually enlist and I would tell you no really I tell everybody no I'm like yo don't look at me and think that I'm I'm your I'm the average you know, product. No, no. Right. Look, I that, tell people like, yo, I'm, not the I'm blessed. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be right. mentally okay, relatively physically yeah. okay. But like the last thing I would want is anybody to have to experience what I experienced at such a young age. Like it would like the, the, the coming home was so, was, was very difficult. And I think what made it so difficult was the fact of being alone. Like I remember being in college and being like, yo, nobody's got, nobody's got any idea. Like I remember, um, I opened my, laptop and there was my my background was uh a somebody's head that we had blown off right it was just his head wow like that was my background and that was what, what was normal for me i must just faint right the, the girl the girl behind me <laughs> was like hey and she, she you know we're friends Mortimer. to this day she was like hey uh you know uh, you you might want to change that this is this is a different setting <laughs> and i looked at her like Shh. She, you know, you live in a, you live in a fake life. You don't know what, what's really going on. But she was right, and I changed it. You know, and it was like, like it was those periods of acclimation. You know what I mean? That were hard. Like, um, it was just hard. Like, uh, uh, but I, I, I did watch friends with PTSD, and I watched. I was able to watch their PTSD grow throughout the years, right? And it always started, and it always looked like just an obnoxious night of drinking. That's what it was. That's how it started. That's how it looked, right? And then, you know, a little separation anxiety, you know, a little failure to adjust before you know it, you know, they're drinking every night, doing drugs, no job, no school, bouncing around from house to house, and then it's over, you're dead. You know, like it's just, it's just crazy to watch sometimes and just knowing that there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do sometimes. It's just hard. And the hardest wow. part about it too is like um, my first year that I was out, I, 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 I had no contact with anybody that I was in service with. Like, I just felt like I needed to to move on, like, emotionally. And, like, I couldn't have people just, like, holding me there, right? And um, that was so hard. And then when I reconnected, I, I realized why I had stopped. And it's just some people just can't move forward, right? Um, or is this they've hit the, the apex of their life and they're essentially hung over forever. You know, like, there's nothing... Um, there's nothing else that really gets them up. And I'm like, damn, well, what, what stopped me from that? And then I realized is that before uh, any current stage of my life ends, I know what I want to do in the next stage. Mm. So before I got out of the Marines, I knew I was going to college. Before I graduated college, I knew I was going to fight professionally. Before I'm done fighting professionally, I know what my next move is, right? So it just keeps me goal-oriented and focused 
where some of these people they they lose the structure of the military, they lose that that focus for them, and then they're just in purgatory forever. Well said. Well, and just to be clear, when I said I wanted to enlist, it was exactly on that piece right there, the structure piece, because I basically create my own structure in life. Um, not that I want to go back to then you know make myself available to going to. You know, Iraq and what but you your life is not yours anymore. Yeah, no, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. But that was that I was talking about the the structure piece. Um, but man, the, again, the way you break it down is, is just so easy to understand. And the hangover piece is is kind of real. Descriptive, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely is. Um, wow. All right, so I, I think we covered this this next one in terms of the you know the circle that was around you. So this is going to take us. We do a little thing at the end, Brad where we basically drop, I drop a dime, Dave's dime. We got Mike's mantra Miguel. and Miguel's mantra. And Get it right. I'm going to put you on the spot here, and you're going to hit us with a little quote. What are we going to call your... Uh... A Featherstone Facts. Oh, I like that. All right. And this is going to take us into Dave's dime of the week. Dimes, dimes, dimes. That was a nice one. Is no more. No more excuses. No more. I'll start tomorrow. No more just this once. No more accepting the shortfalls of my own will. No more taking the easy road. No more bowing down to whatever unhealthy or unproductive thoughts float through my mind. And that's Jocko Willink. That was a good one. This is Miguel's mantras. We need some sound effect. Um, Um, Miguel, Miguel, Miguel. Whatever you are going to do, do it violently. Right, badly designed. Yeah. You better desire. Desire? Right. Desire, yes. Yeah, see, I said it right. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. So my, my Featherstone fact today is a simple one. It's just a calm mind is a strong mind. You know? That's um, a good one. I just really believe just like being focused, um, you know, you know, like tuning out the noise. Know what you're trying to do. You know, people are gonna discourage you. Just be be calm, be focused, and you'll be strong. Wow. And the very last thing that we do, Brad. <laughs> is Mike has a little section and it's called Heat on the Feet. Big sock guy. Which <laughs> Bradley's, like, my, Bradley's like, wait, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Adds what's going to my on? toughness. Yeah, let's see Check it. Check out. Everyone on YouTube. Okay. Okay, look like some h and Some sharks. <laughs> some sharks. John's crazy socks. It's a great cause. Check them out. Oh my God. Uh, I need to get more. Bradley, fun. man, this has been incredible. Um, and that's it, guys. So until next time, stop snoozing. Get up and get after it. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Thank Yo, you for having brother. me. Appreciate it. That's another Effie in the Books. Go follow us on Instagram and Facebook at No Snooze Podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, No Snooze. Come on. Come on. If you want to inquire about potential sponsorship and or collaboration, reach out to us at nosnoozepodcast at gmail.com or message our Instagram page, which is at no snooze podcast.